0: Come on, could you have the party start? You hear that music? From
1: South Bend, Indiana, that's in America. It's Sports yet. This is Jimmy Schwartz. Thank you, Studio DNA Podcast Network. And here's your host, Corey Mann. And Indiana Broadcast Hall of
2: Famer, Chuck
0: <laughs>
1: Good. Now turn it off. And away we go. Episode 116 of the Sports Yak. Hi, my name's Corey. It's the Eli Manning
2: episode, Corey. That's Chuck Freebie right there to the left. I know Eli Manning. He has won 116 games as an NFL quarterback with the New York football Giants. My
1: wife is not a fan of Eli, and here's why. Our 10-year anniversary, we find ourselves in San Diego, California mm-hmm. during... The NFL uh, draft. And Eli did not want to play for the Chargers, who drafted him. So that whole weekend was a, I don't want to go play.
2: And you know who the Chargers got instead? Phillip Rivers. And I think they've been pretty happy with Phillip Rivers, too. Have
1: they had him that long?
2: Yeah, both entered the league in 2004. Wow. And actually, Phillip Rivers has won more games than Eli Manning. How many? Two. Two more games. <laughs>
1: hey, that's two more.
2: Yeah. Eli Manning.
1: Do you think he's uh, close to being done?
2: I think so. Well, I think they both have to be. I mean, that's that's 15 years of quarterbacking right there. Mm-hmm. You think about it, there have been some NFL quarterbacks, Brady, Rivers, Manning, uh, around for a, a long, long time now.
1: Well, are you ready for our first
2: phone call of the
1: show? I'd love to hear it. Five seven four two one zero seven nine five zero. We always appreciate hearing from you, whether it's a, a question or a comment, or uh, how you doing and where you're listening from. Go ahead, caller. Hi, Corey and Chuck. This is Dave from Walkerusa. Your podcast is just the right
2: amount of sports talk each week. My question for you is: Where do you see the Cubs season going this year? Playoff, World Series, missing it all, and manager gets fired. What are your predictions? Thank God. Wow. Okay. Well, let's start with where I think the Cubs will finish, which is first place. This seems to be a different team since the All-Star break. You know, people don't want to hear excuses. But the Cubs played 50 games in a stretch of 52 days. And I think they were a tired team staggering into the All-Star break. And the fact that they still had the lead in the Central Division going into the All-Star break boded well. Plus, they have a big stretch of home games starting the second half. And historically, Joe Madden teams, especially during his Cubs tenure, have played far better in the second half post-All-Star break than they have the first half. So that said, I have confidence that this team will finish in first place in the National League Central. I think the National League comes down to the Cubs and the Dodgers. I just think the Dodgers are a better team right now. I think the Dodgers will wind up in their third straight World Series. Whether they can beat whoever comes out of the American League, I don't know. But the Dodgers, I mean, I I watched that series that the Cubs played out in L.A. this year against the Dodgers. I think it was a four-game series, and the Cubs are lucky they didn't get swept. Mm -hmm. So the Dodgers are a really good team, and I would expect them to win the National League.
1: I had some sparkly moments over the weekend against the Pirates. The broadcast I heard yesterday, I heard a fascinating little stat was about Seattle. Good Lord, what an implosion of that team. Oh, yeah. You know, was it 13-1 and one at the beginning of the season, mm-hmm. and now it's just 20 games
2: behind? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> wow. Yeah, Scott Ooh. Service does not have a whole lot of talent on that roster, and then they traded away their big slugger in uh, Encarnacion. So... Yeah, Seattle's, Seattle's on the downbound train, but I think things look good for the Cubs. They look promising, especially as they get healthier with Hendricks and Hamels coming back. Uh, that'll help that rotation. But the bats are looking a whole lot better right now at Wrigley as the weather warms up too.
1: Have you read anything about uh, a trade or we might be getting someone for the Cubs who
2: will help in this
1: uh, second half?
2: I did see a brief rumor yesterday. You know, the trade deadline comes up July 31st. Okay. Uh, So we'll have two weeks here where it should get intense. Yesterday, Oakland acquired Homer Bailey, the pitcher from Kansas City. Uh, The Cubs apparently have their eye on Nicholas Castellanos, who is a talented young player for the Tigers. They're going to have to give up something to get him. What they give up will be kind of curious. And where you're going to play Castellanos will be kind of curious as well. Uh, because you look at the Cubs and they have a lot of depth in the position players. So we'll see. I, I like the way Robel Garcia, the new second baseman, has yep. played for them lately. He has given them a spark. The question will be, will the will the league figure him out? You know, right now he's probably getting a lot of fastballs because people think, oh, here's this guy just up for the minors. We can blow by him. What will happen when they start throwing him a lot of breaking stuff and off-speed stuff? Just for fun, let's
1: pretend we're 10-year-olds trading baseball cards. Who is the one player you'd love to see in a Cubs jersey, and who would you get rid of to get that one player? Oh, boy.
2: Who is the one? Well, in my opinion, you can never have enough starting pitching. So if you could somehow land, you're not going to get Verlander from the Astros because they're in the thick of it. Uh, And I think the Nationals, you know, do the Nationals give up on Max Scherzer? I I, I don't see that happening, but I would love to see Max Scherzer in a Cubs uniform because he would certainly give your rotation another huge boost. How about Darvish for Ryu? Well, you're not going to. You're not going to get the Dodgers to bite on that. I don't know who would take you Darvish off the Cubs' hands at this point. Now, I will say you Darvish pitched very well on Friday. Mm -hmm. Through six innings of shutout ball, it wasn't his fault that he got a no decision.
1: Wasn't it weird actually seeing him pitch well? (laughs) It was. Because you
2: always always just hold your breath whenever he and Quintana are on the mound. I mean, I'm taking my wife to Wrigley on Saturday, and we're going to see Quintana pitch, and it's just, oh, boy. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Gay room in the car? No. I'm asking for a friend. No.
1: That's a hard no? That's no. Uh, Talk about the Cubs over the weekend in Chicago and Pirates
2: and my goodness. Well, they – Busted out the whooping sticks. They started hitting again. Uh, Hayward had the big hit on Friday to give them the win over the Pirates by a 4-3 count after Pedro Strope blew a 3 nothing lead by giving up a three-run homer to Starlin Marte. Then on Saturday, they jumped out to that seven-run first inning. John Lester, a big two-run double as part of, or two-run single as part of that, and that put that game away early. And yesterday, they fall behind 3-1. Jose Quintana actually gets a big base hit, hitting one the other way to right field. And I think that's one thing you saw more from the Cubs over the weekend. We've talked about it on this show. Hitting to the opposite field. When the Cubs hit to the opposite field, when they get in that groove, they're not only able to hit just base hits to the opposite field, they're able to hit with power to the opposite field. And yesterday, they got home runs out of Hayward, Al Jr. and Schwarber on the way to an 8-3 win over the Pirates. I thought Clint Hurdle stayed with his starting pitcher way too long in that game, and it showed up in the sixth inning when Al Jr. and Schwarber went back-to-back with bombs to take a 5-3 game to 7-3. But that Pirate bullpen got used a lot on Saturday, so I'm sure Hurdle was trying to milk as much out of his starter as he could. Chicago now with a a two-and-a-half game lead over Milwaukee, three over the Cardinals in the National League Central. This race a long way from over. Still a lot of baseball to be played. Reds come into town this week, and the Cubs have not played well against the Reds so far this year. So should play with a little bit of a chip on the shoulder this week, I would think.
1: Personal question, uh, do you drive in or do you take the train in? We'll drive. Mm -hmm. We'll drive. Where do you like to park?
2: I like to park over at the Waveland Avenue tennis courts and then walk to the ballpark from then. How far of a walk? Uh, it's about a mile. Okay. Yeah, but it's uh, sometimes you can park for free if you're lucky.
1: Waveland?
2: Waveland Avenue Tennis Court.
1: Okay. Is that right off Lakeshore? Yes. Okay. Mm, what's your uh, favorite way of getting tickets? Uh, Do you use the secondary ticket
2: markets? Do we you... For this one, we went, uh, which one was it that I used? I looked at all three. I looked at StubHub, I looked at SeatGeek, and I looked at Vivid Seats.
1: You ever do game time?
2: Uh, no, I have not done game time. Not familiar with that app. Okay, so I'll have to look at that. I, you know, I, I love to be lucky enough to get uh, the Cubs have this ten sixty thing where they give away sixty seats for ten dollars for every game. So if you were to go online today, Mm -hmm. you could enter a drawing to try to get seats for tomorrow's game. Oh, okay. They do that kind of. They do that with uh, Hamilton. But you have to be, you know, able to go, obviously.
1: Right, right. White Sox. White White Sox Sox
2: are struggling on the road again yesterday to celebrate the 72nd birthday of Steve Stone. They took a 2-2 tie into the ninth inning. Chad Pinder was a pinch hitter for Oakland. The pride of Virginia Tech led off the inning with a base hit. He's sitting on first when the next batter hits a ground ball to the hole at short. Tim Anderson whirls to try to start the double play, throws the ball down to the right field line. There is acreage in foul territory at the Oakland Coliseum, and the ball rolls and rolls and rolls over to the side wall, and Pinder scampers all the way around from first to score the game winner, and the A's beat the White Sox by a count of 3-2. Oakland has been playing very good ball. They've won 17 of their last 22, and the White Sox get swept on the road this weekend.
1: You were at the uh, South Bend game Saturday night. Did you have a good time?
2: Yeah, we had a good time. I was there as part of a group that uh, my wife takes from her work, and uh, they invited me to come along. So sat there, watched Buddy Bailey's team win that one in extra innings. Brennan Davis with a two-run walk-off, Homer in the 10th, and the Cubs won that one by a count of 4-3. Lost to Quad Cities yesterday, 6-4. They've got an afternoon matinee today, one oh five. It's dog days down at the ballpark. You can... Apparently bring your canine down to the yard today if you want.
1: A lot of uh, camps bringing their kids in today.
2: Oh, I believe that, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Let's stay with baseball for a minute. You're about to head over to Notre Dame to meet a new baseball coach.
2: The Irish finally pulled the trigger on hiring this coach 33 days after the firing of Mick Aoki. They have hired Link Jarrett. Uh, Jarrett is a former Florida State player, was a shortstop for the Seminoles and a very good one. In fact, I think he still holds the NCAA record for assists in a career. And uh, after his playing days were over, bounced around as an assistant coach at a number of places, became the head coach at UNC Greensboro for the last seven years, took them to an NCAA tournament for the first time in a long time. He's had, I think, four straight 30-win seasons at UNC Greensboro. They play in the Southern Conference, two-time Southern Conference Coach of the Year, How he'll do uh, recruiting for a school like Notre Dame and recruiting in a northern climb, that's anybody's guess, but uh, hopefully we'll have a chance to talk with the head coach today. And if you do, what what questions are swirling around that you'd like to know? Well, uh, number one, what what was it that appealed to this job to him, other than being in a—obviously it's an Atlantic Coast Conference school, and Notre Dame is a named school, but it does not necessarily have a sparkling baseball reputation— uh, what was here that attracted him? What does he think that they need to improve upon uh, in order to succeed? Let's talk about this five-hour tennis game. My goodness. Did you watch any of it?
1: I saw highlights.
2: You saw highlights, yeah. but you didn't. There's no way I could sit through that. Well, I'm not saying sit through the whole five. I didn't sit through the whole five hours. I went to Mass, came home, we were making brunch. And, and, they, were and they were still playing. And they were still playing. <laughs>
1: So Wow, wow. I know how long a five-hour tennis game is.
2: So Novak Djokovic and Roger Federer, two of the greats of the game, Federer an eight-time Wimbledon champion, uh, Djokovic going into yesterday a four-time Wimbledon champ, squaring off on center court. Djokovic had beaten Federer in Wimbledon finals twice already. Djokovic kind of taking over as the, the star of Wimbledon from Federer. Federer won five straight Wimbledons from 2003 to 2007. Here in the decade of the teens, it's been Djokovic's decade. He had won four Wimbledons since 2011 coming in. So they square off, and they split the first four sets, and they're playing a fifth set. And Federer gets a break, a service break to go up 4-2, and Djokovic comes right back and breaks Federer's serve. They get it back on serve, and they battle. And again, Federer gets a service break to make it something like 9-8, um, I think. And in tennis, of course, Corey, you have to win by two. Okay. So they wind up, they get to 12-12. Now, previously at Wimbledon, Corey, in, in five-set matches, the rule was you ha- you had to win by two. So it wouldn't have mattered if they had kept playing and gone to like 26-24. They would have had to keep playing until a guy wins by two. This, first, this is the first year that Wimbledon has implemented a tiebreaker in the fifth set. If you get to 12-12, then you play a tiebreaker, and first person to get to seven points and up by two wins the tiebreaker and then wins the match. So Djokovic won the tiebreaker 7-3, I believe it was. either 7-3 or 7-4. And so he gets his fifth Wimbledon title in the last eight years. Uh, But what a terrific match and terrific shot-making. And you mentioned five hours. Roger Federer is 37 years old. Novak Djokovic, I believe, is in his 30s. And the endurance these guys showed, the, the incredible footwork these guys showed the shot-making. You know, you get a ball down at your ankles. And I don't know if you've played tennis before or not. I've played a little bit. Ball down at your ankles is kind of tough to return with any kind of accuracy and velocity and things like that. And these guys are doing it time and time and time again. Just some incredible shot-making. Like a prize fight. Yeah, it was. You know? I, I said on Twitter it was like, having a really good steak, every point, every bite you chew on and you savor it and you enjoy it, and then you're ready for the next one, but you don't want it to end. And that's what this match was like. Every point there was just something going on that just, and you could feel the tension rise in the match as the match went on. But you savored it, and it was almost like, oh, my gosh, does it have to end? But after five hours, I think everybody was ready for a (laughs) 10. We're in an era of tennis on the men's side of the game where you've got Djokovic, Federer, and Nadal all playing at a very high level. We talked about this Friday. Federer and Nadal played a dynamite four-set match that Federer obviously won. I don't know how much longer you're going to have all three of those playing at that level, but anytime two of them are playing each other, two of those three, you should watch. You should watch whether it's a major, whether they're playing (laughs) at Leaper Park. You should watch because that's a level of tennis that you're not going to experience very often. I think back in the men's game to when you had, Connors, Borg, McEnroe, all playing at the same time. Okay, and then at that era of tennis, you also had guys like Yvonne Lendl and Ely Nastase. There were there were more than a big three, and and you had some good rivalries built up. You don't have that really now. You've got these three who are the dominant three, uh, and on the women's side, you don't really have that at all. I mean, Simona up beat Serena Williams and, and surprised everybody beating her in the finals on Saturday. But you don't have those great rivalries. That's why when Coco Gauff, the 15-year-old, had that run at Wimbledon, everybody gets excited because, oh, well, maybe there's somebody new to watch. I've always read about
1: uh, Nadal. He just wears you out because he's a physical specimen. He's
2: incredibly fit. And yet
1: Federer beats him.
2: Yeah. you know. Well, it's grass court. So Federer beats him on a grass court because the ball tends to uh, have a higher velocity on the grass court. It skips a little bit more off the grass. Where Nadal really wears people out is on the clay courts because that clay kind of absorbs the speed of the ball, so it takes away from the big serves of guys like Federer and Djokovic. You went to see a movie over the weekend. (laughs) Yes! By the name of Crawl. Crawl! I had not... Heard anything about this movie going in? What's it about? It's about uh, a Florida hurricane,
1: and you got a young girl who's on uh, a Florida swim team at the beginning of the movie. She's got to go find her dad, who's downstate, and he's kind of hard headed and he doesn't want to leave his house. Turns out he's injured down in the crawl space because because of this hurricane and the flooding, there's a couple of Florida Gators downstairs. And they can't get to him in the crawl space because of some of the sewer pipes. And so the daughter and he get stuck down there. The authorities come. There's a lot of chomping. As you know, maybe from watching National Geographic, when an alligator attacks its prey, it spins. That happens a couple times. Okay. And, uh, I mean, the, the special effects were pretty decent. I mean, it was a step up from Sharknado, I'll tell you that. Well... But the whole goal was for them to get up on the roof so they could probably get saved by some sort of chopper or whatever. Dude, it was just a fun 88-minute air conditioning blowing on us, some snacks for under 10 bucks over there at the Wonderland in Niles. All right. It was just, it was just fun. But yeah, you
2: know. it's not anything where it's like you have to go back and see it again.
1: No, I, you know, I always like to check in on Facebook what we're doing, and this lady's like, you got to tell me how it is. And I said, of all the alligator hurricane movies, this is one of
2: them. Yeah, and and that's that. It, there's nothing special about it. Is there anybody in it that we would know? Barry Pepper. Barry Pepper. You might
1: remember him as the sniper in Saving Private Ryan, up okay. in the uh, the bell tower. All right.
2: Yeah. No. That's about it. I mean, I've heard that name before, but it, that's not the. Uh, that's not exactly box office magic. No. What is coming up? That I should keep my eyes open for. I think
1: Lion King's going to be groundbreaking. Sure. Um, they don't even know how to promote it properly because it's so groundbreaking. They don't know. Uh, I read a fascinating article on can you say that enough in the ads, in paper ads, and social media? Visually, this thing is going to make your jaw drop. Aside from, I mean, we know the story, we know the songs. The soundtrack came out last week. I listened to a couple of songs, the classics, if you will. Mm-hmm. But apparently this thing is just so beautiful looking. And, you know, can an animal that's not animated in a cartoon have the emotion like the original did? And more than likely it will. They're on to something. So that's coming out.
2: Are you a big fan of the space program? Um, Yeah, I guess I, I am. We're coming up on the 50th anniversary Saturday of man landing on the moon. Yes. Uh, Neil Armstrong, Buzz Aldrin, Michael Collins was orbiting. And personally, I cannot get enough of the lookbacks that are coming, that have come out and that continue to come out.
1: The Armstrong documentary just popped up on streaming over the weekend, okay. which I believe Diane and TJ went and saw and gave that up. Pretty big thumbs up. Was that the movie they went and saw? Uh,
2: First Man. I think this one was was called Armstrong. Okay. Hmm. I'm not sure. Okay. But I'll tell you what. I'll be watching as many of those specials coming up this week. Yeah. That was a fascinating period of time for me. Do you remember it? Well, I, I don't remember man landing on the moon. What I do remember were some of the Apollo missions after that. Uh, uh, particularly Apollo 14 and Apollo 15. And why is that? Well, for one, my parents, and and you have to remember, at this time I'm I'm six or seven years old. Okay. My mom would wake me up in the middle of the night so that we could watch the moon landing on TV, and this was at a time when uh, TV was not on in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. They actually had to sign stations back on and then go to the special coverage. And things weren't done. You know, I'm sure today NASA would have coordinated with the networks. Okay, we're going to do this in prime time or we're at least going to land on the moon in the morning. They landed on the moon at something like 3 in the morning. (laughs) But... You know, mom wakes you up and you, and you come downstairs and and you watch it on TV. And I had a little scrapbook where I cut out articles about the really. The, oh yeah, it was a.
1: Was she as into it as you were, or did she know you were into it? So no, she... I
2: think she was. I think everybody was into it. Okay. Um. The other thing is, are you familiar with a a beverage called Tang? Yes. This and of course Tang's whole sales pitch was. This is what they take on the space yeah, machine. Yeah, this is what the astronauts drink.
0: Right. hmm
2: And it, by golly, if you were a kid in that era and the astronauts did it, oh, you were doing it. Was it orange? Yes. 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 Powder? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. You mix it in with water? That's right. Do they still sell that? I don't think they do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I think it should make a comeback this weekend. With the 50th oh, anniversary, New Coke has with Stranger Things. Yes, that's on the counter.
1: Now I do remember the space shuttle exploding. Yes, we had the day off; it was a snow day, and I remember watching that on TV as it happened.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, I love me some Apollo 13. Terrific movie, and uh, but I think what you d- what you don't get out of that movie was just the the general. Fear, yes, you see what's going on in the spacecraft and everything, mm-hmm. and back at Mission Control, but just the general fear of people in everyday life. That oh my gosh, what's going to happen to these guys? Yeah, are they going to be able to make it home? And of course, uh, Apollo had gone through some some real crises in the program uh, with the fire on Apollo One that killed Gus Grissom and Ed White, who did the first spacewalk and things like that. So there, there was some genuine concern going on with Apollo 13. But it, it just it floods back a bunch of memories for me from back in the day. Does mom still have the photo album? I think I have it somewhere. You sit down
1: with Armstrong and John Glenn for an interview, one question each.
2: If I were to ask Neil Armstrong anything, it would be like, what was it like as you look around the moon for the very first time, being the first person from Earth to be up there?
1: Yeah, does your mind play tricks on you at all, and you think you see things that lead you to thoughts of, are we really the only ones up here? Right. Do I see a footprint? Do I see
2: did I see something just move or something, you know? And and for John Glenn being the first you know, first American in space. Um how how scared were you? Yeah. I I would I I watched these films, these documentaries that they do and you see these what what was going on and here President Kennedy had made this promise that we're going to get into space you know we're going to put a man on the moon by the end of the decade of course everybody in the government is pushing for all this to be done and there are deaths happening and there's a lot of money being thrown at this and and I didn't realize as a kid I'm I'm learning as I watch these documentaries how controversial this was because you're spending all this money to put people on the moon. We got people starving over here in our own country. Mm-hmm. Um, all all of the social things that were going on with it as well. It, it's just it's fascinating for me. My
1: question uh, for Armstrong would have been the Did your mind play tricks on you? Mine for John Glenn would be, what was it like with that much power under your butt shooting
2: you into space? That's the thing. You I look mean, at these engines and the uh, the amount of. Force going through and then you know, we put man on the moon. We didn't know for sure if we were gonna be able to get him back. Yeah. The uncertainty. They had no way of knowing if that lunar module was actually going to be able to get itself back up off the moon and redock with the guy orbiting around in space.
0: Mm.
1: Wow. Are we good? You feel good about today? I, I'm
2: good. It's it's not just Sports Yak, but Space Yak, Space Yak. today. Space Yak. I like that. As
1: always, we've added a new phone line, 574-210-7950. You can leave a, a message, a comment, a question, where you're at,
2: where you're listening at. We'll appreciate that. Also, feel free to chime in on the 46 Sports Twitter page today. We have a poll going. Who are your favorite Chicago baseball announcers of the current group? Lennon J.D. for Cubs TV, Jason and Stoney for Sox TV. You got Pat and Ron for Cubs Radio, and Farmer and DJ for Sox Radio. Caleb and I listened to Pat and Ron for an hour yesterday,
1: Mm -hmm. and he asked me what it was like growing up listening to Cubs games, and I said, buddy, I would love for you to have heard Harry Carey. Oh, yeah. Because it it was such a character, but it's part of the – cubs lore you know yeah and we could go on youtube and do it but it wouldn't give the justice like listening to yesterday's game right he uh he he poked and prodded a little bit because uh was it the first inning first or second inning and they were talking about uh what kind of day it was how green the grass was the sky color the wind coming off the lake the many different colors in the the stands because of people wearing different types of cubs shirts and he made some kind of snarky comment. I said, pal, that's their job is to give us. It was it was interesting because I was like, just go listen to episode 112 of the Yak. <laughs> Chuck, talk, Chuck talks about this in point number three. You know, of just, he, he got it. I said, on TV, you don't hear that at all because you can see it. Right. But these guys are painting a picture for us. And he he immediately listened to it completely differently. Yeah.
2: You close your eyes and allow them to... Yeah. Give you the picture. Now you now you can feel what it's like to be at Wrigley Field. Mhm. And uh Cubs play who this Saturday. Uh San Diego Padres. Oh, right. Which is is interesting because that's the team that I first saw play at Wrigley Field back in August of 1970. I was one. <laughs> Cubs beat the Padres that day 12-2 hitting five homers out of Wrigley Field. All yeah, right.
1: Uh, Once again, 574-210-7950. We're on social media. You can find us all over the place. Uh, Wednesday, we're going to take the day off. We've got some uh, in-studio guests for the other side of things,
2: musically. Oh, yeah. You and your music people, fine. Oh, dude, I can't wait to talk to these people. But then
1: Friday, we'll jump in once again for a weekend episode of the Yak. Until next time, Yak fans. Ooga luga, Heine Manoush. This is the Sports Yak Podcast. The following has been brought to you by Rabbit Wigs and the Studio DNA Podcast Network. You've been listening to Sports Yak, all sports information. All that you've just been heard has been copywritten. Don't steal any of this stuff. This is Jimmy Shorts. That's good.
0: A business owner there's a new way to get your message out advertising with the sports yak podcast with Chuck freebie and Corey Mann with over a hundred episodes in the archives. This is the number one sports podcast on the studio DNA podcast network. And actually it's the only sports podcast on the network, but Chuck and Corey have been friends for almost 30 years. So the podcast goes like this. Corey knows nothing about sports, but Chuck knows everything. With a mix of headlines, humor, and heart, this podcast continues to grow with three new episodes a week. With over 1,200 downloads in May of 2019, you can be assured that your message will be heard by many. For example, their monumental episode 100 has been downloaded over 280 times. And with your commercial message strategically placed in the podcast recording, it'll be one of the first items the audience hears. Whether it's your advertising message or a podcast sponsorship, we'll help get your messages to the masses. Contact TheSportsYak at gmail.com. That's TheSportsYak, with two Ks, at gmail.com for more info. And download an episode of Sports Yak and hear for yourself. iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you download podcasts. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you.